Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Praise the Lord. Brother John, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing okay, and uh, praising God, and good evening to you. Thank you. Good morning to you, and wherever you are tuning in the world, folks, we're glad to have you. Hey, just a reminder, we have a second way you can listen live in addition to MixLR. We have an IceCast server. So if you want to try that player out, just go to our website, omegamanradio.com, and you can click on that. And uh, we have people that are using that to listen. So we've got a backup system. Uh, you can choose either way, Mixel or Icecast. Okay. Well, we're going to get started. Uh, honored to bring back Pastor John Terrell. He's with us every week, same time. And uh, Brother John, you want to open us in prayer? I'll be very happy to. My Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you. Here we are again on the Thursday morning for me. And I thank you, Lord, right now that we have the opportunity to be talking again on the radio here, Father God, with Omega Man. And I thank you that you will anoint me today, and particularly in such a way that I can give a message to people that need to hear a message to change their lives, to better their lives, and to have more power in the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for anointing myself and anointing the people listening for right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Over to you, my friend. you got all the time you want. I am working now in uh, my lesson number 50 in a book that I wrote a number of years ago called Christian Dynamics, course number four. And we are dealing today with guidance. And I started last week on lesson 50. And the title of this particular lesson is Tune in God and Turn Off Satan. Tune in God and Turn Off Satan. And I discussed with you the setup of the soul and the spirit and how things are working with us and how we are made and how we function. 
So we're going to pick up here on page number one in lesson 50. And by the way, if you says, well, can I have a copy of the outline that you, or the chapter that you're working on? And I say, yes, you can. You go to our website, eaec.org, and uh, just write me uh, an email, uh, contact us, call us, write us. And simply says, I'd like to have a copy of Lesson 50 of Christian Dynamics, and then we will email that lesson to you. <clears throat> As I stated in previous lessons, the soul of the spirit of a man is the tuner that has a capacity to pick up communication from Satan. So, I told you yesterday, or not yesterday, but last week, that we have a soul and a spirit. I'm talking about born-again people. If you're not saved, you have a soul and a dead spirit. So when you get saved, you have a soul brain, and that soul brain can only communicate in the flesh including receiving information from the devil, fallen angels, evil spirits. The spirit, which is born of God when you get saved, is a component of your soul, spirit body, that has a capacity to hear God you can talk to God, and God communicates to you through your spirit. If you don't have, if you're not born again, you're not going to be able to communicate with God. Does a believer in Christ must learn how to work these two systems here now, the soul, brain, and the spirit, so that you will not be misled because the Bible teaches that Satan and his fallen angels are out there trying to mislead us and fool us into believing that the message we're getting is from God. We're going to read the scripture now. And the scripture is found in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 and 3. And I read, Beloved, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Let me try to illustrate what I just read to you here by looking at uh, two different religions. We're going to look at Islam, and we're going to look upon Judaism. Now, Muhammad, who lived around, he lived actually in the um, 
in the 7th century AD, about 680 some odd years after Jesus had been on earth. He uh, was a young man, and uh, he, he was from Saudi, what we say, Saudi Arabia. And um, he traveled to Lebanon. He was searching for God. And you got to remember now that at the time that he was alive, there was a strong Christian church in Persia, and there was also a church in Iraq. But he was from Saudi Arabia, and they were not that evangelized at that particular time. So he came to Lebanon, and he spent about a year or so in a Christian monastery. And uh, there he learned uh, about Mary. He learned about God and Jesus and so on. But it was a Catholic teaching he got. Uh, he was never born again. And so he simply took this information that was given him. And then he moved down to Jerusalem. And uh, he spent time with some rabbis, Jewish rabbis, and studied under them for about a year or so. He never became, he never accepted Judaism. He never became a Christian. And he came back to Saudi Arabia, Mecca, where he was at, Medina, in that area. So he was constantly looking for an answer. So he would go off, and he married a widow. She was probably about 20, 25 years older than he was. And uh, her husband had had a big trucking business in those days. The trucks were called camels. And so uh, this is a camel trucking business where they were uh, carrying goods from one area to the other and so on. So she was well off. And so Muhammad never needed to work. Uh, he became a playboy. And... Uh, he told his uh, older wife that, you know, I need to go out in the wilderness and, and pray, and, and I'm seeking God. So he had a cave he was sitting in for times, and eventually he had an angel of light that showed up. And uh, he saw this angel of light, and uh, the angel said, but he was sent from God, and so on. And he told Muhammad that you are a selected person and uh, I'm going to give you inf information to save mankind. And uh, this particular angel of light told Muhammad this, that Jesus had failed in his mission and Muhammad now was elected from the Godhead to be doing what Jesus failed. Muhammad was not going to fix. Well, he bought into it. He was illiterate and uh, didn't know how to uh, write. So uh, 
he had some people that would write down the visions he had. And uh, so they wrote down his visions. We became the Quran, which is the Bible of the Muslims. The Quran is actually not very cohesive. It's uh, it's very disjointed, and um, it has no salvation plan in it, and uh, so it's just a bunch of stories. So Muhammad mixed in. He had Jesus in there. He had he had Moses there. He had uh, a lot of different things for the Old Testament. And then he put in a lot of stuff. He had Jesus and he had Mary and uh, a few other things from the Roman Catholic Church. And that's the mix. And then, of course, he had now uh, the teaching of Islam, uh, which is a militant religion and so on. So, Muhammad now, being a, uh, what I would call a playboy, because um, he was a young man, married this older woman, older woman. That teaching that he was, had people write down, Quran, today is embraced by more than one billion people on this earth. More than one billion that are following Muhammad step by step all the way into hell because when they die, they go to hell. So that's a powerful testimony that if you have the wrong source, you not only can mess up yourself, but you can create a religion that would simply take down billions of people over the years. The same angel, the same angel of light that went to um, Muhammad showed up about 1820 or so in the United States. And uh, he went to another young man by the name of Joseph Smith. Now, Joseph Smith was a uh, he was a kind of a criminal, a petty thief. Um, he had been involved in uh, Christian church. There was a lot of revivals in New York area where he lived in about the 1820s. And so he had been to churches, but he did not quite like it. So uh, he kept going to other places. He also became a Freemason. And he thought that Freemasonry was a ticket for him to heaven. and But he was never satisfied, so he would go outside, just like Muhammad did, and sit by himself. And uh, so sure enough, this angel of light came up. And the first thing that the angel of light said was simply this, that the church of Jesus Christ has failed, and we have to start it over. And you... Joseph Smith has been chosen by God to be the person to do what all the churches have failed to do. And of course, uh, Jesus, you know, was had failed through his churches. So, my, Joseph Smith got, you know, these different revelations. 
And uh, he also was illiterate, so he had somebody write it down for him. And uh, that became the Book of the Mormon, the Mormons, the Book of Mormon. And then he got uh, a number of other writings that they have uh, that I'm not going to get into right now. But the famous sign that Jesus has filed, his church has filed, this character, Muhammad, was selected to do what Jesus could not do. And now, between Joseph Smith and Muhammad, it's about more than about a thousand years. Uh, the same ain't to come back down, it's like this other guy, Joseph Smith, that created Mormonism. And today there are millions of Mormons, and uh, they are swearing that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God, and he was a prophet of God, and Brigham Young was another prophet of God. And these two men are leading people to hell by the millions, just like we had Muhammad did the same thing. Where did these men go wrong? Because if you compare Mormonism, uh, in Mormonism you have almost all their symbols and all their rituals are Masonic. So uh, when you read Masonic rituals, how they do that, and then you read what the Mormons do, you say, wow, you know, the Mormons just copied what the Mathons are doing. And uh, the same thing with Islam, they, they have Roman Catholic t- t- doctrine in there, and they have a Jewish doctrine in there, and then they got a little bit of their own, and that's called Islam. So how could these guys be deceived? Well, number one is this. They were dissatisfied, and they were not knowledgeable of the Bible. They were literate. So they had not read the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And so they really didn't know what God had said previously. And so the devil could peel them off. So it is very important now that um, we understand this, that confessing that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. As an American, or you might be living in some other country that speaks English, uh, and you says, but Jesus come in the flesh. Of course he come in the flesh. We know that. We know about the incarnation. But that is not true for neither Muhammad or for Joseph Smith or for Judaism. Now, what was the reason that the Jewish leadership at the time of Christ demanded the crucifixion of Jesus. It was not because the good deeds he done, all the miracles. It was one thing that they hung up on, and that was that Jesus said he is God. The same thing in Islam, where they simply say that, uh, 
you know, Jesus was a prophet, but he's not God. He's not, he's not incarnated. And of course, with a Mormonism, um, the God they have is one God and beyond him, there are many other gods and so on. And they have simply completely ignored the fact that the book of Isaiah, it says, where God said, I am the only one, there is no one else besides me. So, not knowing the scripture, if you don't know the Bible, it is easy for evil spirits to come and simply come as an angel of light and started to telling you that you're special, uh, God has noticed you, and uh, uh, the church is not doing right, and uh, you have been selected, you know, to straighten things out, and we're going to give you information. If you're drowned in the Bible, you would simply tell that spirit, you know, just go to hell. But people that are not ground in the Bible, they would buy into it. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 3, we read this. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctors or devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having a conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanded to abstain from mates which God had created, to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. If you read this scripture now, and you says, okay, well, we're talking about meat or uh, in the King James Bible, meat can mean flesh, beef. It can be a piece of lamb, fish, that's, that's meat. But it also means food. So at the time when this was going on, when Paul wrote this, people involved in pagan religions, many of them were also vegetarians. They simply had been had a philosophy that uh, eating meat from a, a cow or from a goat or, or a uh, lamb or fish is a sin. So they were vegetarians. Some of these people got saved and they brought in this teaching about, you know, what you got to be a vegetarian. This is like we have the Seven Days Adventist Church where Mary Ellen White, Ellen White, she founded that. And uh, to the beginning, she was not a vegetarian. Uh, after she had founded the Seven Days Adventist Church churches as a denomination, uh, she was married, her husband got cancer, and uh, she was advised that the best way to uh, get rid of the cancer was to be eat only vegetarian, be a vegetarian. So that's what they did, and uh, his cancer disappeared. 
So after many years, then she said, okay, now uh, we're going to make this a doctrine in the, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That's how the vegetarianism came in there. And she also got a doctrine that you can only worship on Saturday. Saturday is the Sabbath, not Sunday. And uh, she also made a doctrine now that you have to be baptized in a Seventh-day Adventist church in order to be saved. So to be saved, you have to attend a Seventh-day Adventist church. You have to be baptized in that church. You got to be a vegetarian. And uh, these three things you know, brought salvation to you. So that was another false prophet that, that brought in some stuff. So the key here that I want to say is this. This one Paul said, though. Now, the Spirit speaks, that the Holy Spirit speaks, that in the latter times, some shall depart for the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So, there is a lot of power in the spirit world where you have Satan, fallen angels and demons that are just trying to massage you and give you a false doctrine, false understanding. Of, and the only way that you have to protect yourself is you got to know the Bible. And I've said this over the years, if it's not in the Bible, then, you know, I don't believe it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 and 15, Paul writes this, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as a minister of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So, as a Christian now living in the United States, you live in Europe, or you live whatever you live in the world, there is a battle over your soul first for you to be saved. And then once you are born again and saved, now there is a battle over you to draw you into false doctrine. And uh, these evil spirits, these fallen angels, are very persuasive, very convincing. And it will make so much sense when you hear them speak that unless you are grounded in the Bible, you will simply fall for it. Have you ever talked to Jehovah's Witnesses? Now this guy Russell, they started Jehovah's Witnesses. He started 
just a, another religion. And uh, he made up a few things he got from demons. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses don't, do not believe in, if you join the Jehovah's Witness today, you are not going to live for eternity. Uh, all they are selling now are tickets to the thousand-year kingdom. So all Jehovah's Witness can look forward to is a seat in the thousand-year kingdom when Jesus comes back to the earth. And after the thousand-year kingdom is over, then you are simply ceasing to exist. Do they have a heaven? Yes, they do have a heaven. But only 144,000 can go there. And so they got in a problem about in 1935 when they had passed membership of 144,000. And so they scrambled, well, how do we fix this? And they rewrote their teaching that Russell had given them. And then later we had uh, Judge Rutherford uh, did a lot of writing. So they simply changed it. They simply said this, well, the 144,000 is are the only ones that are going to live forever in heaven. And uh, But you can get a ticket to the thousand-year kingdom. But you have to do that, you have to belong to Jehovah's Witness. You've got to be a Baptist in their congregation. And you have to go and talk to people on the streets. And you've got to put in so many hours a week in order for you to qualify for the thousand-year kingdom. Well, you, that's a pretty complicated thing, right? Not too conducive, but you find people that are Christian. Jehovah's Witnesses never go for people that are unsaved. They always go for people who are born again, Christians, or they attend church. That's what they go for, and they want to have them. So here you have now Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Muslims, you got Hindus, you got all kind of different religions, and they all swear they can feel God, they can feel what they have is true, and in reality, they are in delusion. For such a false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming himself into the Apostle Christ. There was a guy by the name, he called himself Moses Berg. And uh, he was a um, Christian pastor. He was actually born again. And uh, he decided to start a new religion. And uh, he called it the Children of God. They're not, they're, I, I don't think that they survived. I don't think there are any children of God left in the world. Uh, but this is a, a, a group that was very active from about 1960 and up to about 1990. Actually, they ended up in Libya under Gaddafi that offered them a, a safe haven. But now... This guy, Moses Berg, he had a tremendous sexual appetite. 
So, being a pastor, you know, you're not supposed to have sex with your uh, female membership. So, what he did was, he says, well, we're going to start, I'm going to start my own church, my own denomination, Children of God. And uh, he really made inroads among the hippies, the Christian hippies. And just like the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, go for Christians, Mormons also go for Christians, uh, they started to look for Christians that had been born again to try and convert them to their religion. And so there was a, a community, they had communities, uh, very militant. And, of course, he also came up with another doctrine that they, uh, one way to evangelize for women is to simply go out and offer sex to men. And when they are having them in a bed having sex, then to witness to them to join their church and to receive Christ. And then... Uh, a lot of young women bought into that, became slaves. And uh, the men that married these women, they said, well, you know, my wife is going out to evangelize. What's she going to do? Well, she's going to go out to knock a few guys down. You don't have sex with them. And uh, that's how we evangelize among the children of God. Now, if, if somebody came up to you and simply say, uh, this is a... This is from God. This is what we begin from God. You would look at the guy and said, you know, you're nuts. Because if you're ground in the Bible, you know that we are not to be fornicating. We are not to commit adultery. And Jesus never told people to, to, to simply, you know, using sex for the men to go and find women, have sex with them. So they could evangelize what they were in the bed with them. So... Satan has weird stuff, crazy stuff, but it looks like the crazier it is, the more people believe it. Let's now, I want to read to you now, for we're going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians. Let me look it up in my Bible here. So I'm going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. Um, I think I read this here last week, but we're going to do it again because it's a very good scripture. First Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to pick it up in verse number 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. With things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, the unsaved person, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, 
judges all things, yet himself is judge no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So, let me go back now and just lay this down as a, as a cornerstone. God does not communicate through the Holy Spirit or through angels and give any revelations that are not found in the Bible. And when I say the Bible, I'm talking about a King James Version in English because there are many bastard Bibles out there. So you've got to have a right Bible. So the first thing, if you really want to be successful, is to have a program where you plan to read through the Bible. Not to cherry pick certain things that you like. There are certain things I like, certain chapters I read often because they bolster my faith. But you want to start in, in Genesis. You, actually, a good plan is that you read one chapter in the Old Testament, stored in Genesis, and then you read one chapter in the New Testament. Sometimes I feel that I need to read maybe just only five or six verses because they're so rich, and I want to read them, soak it in, and to understand what they say. So if you do that, eventually you will have read through the entire Bible, the Old and New Testament, and then you start over again. This is what I do. Then you start over again and read it, and I'm constantly reading the Bible. I read. I try to read a chapter a day. Um, I basically... The, going right now to the New Testament because I want to really get that hammered in. So when you have read that, if somebody comes up to you and say, for example, like the Mormons are saying, well, Jesus had a brother. And uh, they say, do you know that? And he says, no, I don't know that. Yeah. His name is Satan. Jesus and Satan are brothers. Now, the Mormons, they think that's truth. That's what they believe. The Mormons also believe this, that there's no, there's no hell. There are three places to go to after you die, according to Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. One is, if you are married in a Mormon temple and you have paid your tithing so that you have records of they keep record of it and you have attended the Mormon church buildings they call them wards and you're gone there on a weekly basis and uh, you're doing what they ask you to do uh, then you will become a god in the next life 
and uh, you will receive a planet all by yourself and you will be God over that planet and uh, you will be given probably about half a million women good looking women that were lived on earth here but they did not have more, they were not in the Mormon church and they were did not have Mormon husbands so they are open they can be simply put out ways upon a place and so in that that planet now you're going to be having all the sex you want and of course you're going to have all these thousands upon thousands or not million women they get pregnant and um, the souls or the, the children that are born to these women become souls and they're going to be sent to another planet that you are going to be the god over and then you're going to introduce the Mormon faith to them eventually and uh, so this is going to continue and then that generation living on a different planet now they those who become gods they would then have in the future go to their planets and so on so according to Joseph Smith there is our God that we have now according to the Mormons is a man that joined the Mormon church on the planet that he lived on he was married in the temple and he became a god and he's now running this planet but above him are other gods and so it's eternal it goes back eternally it never ends going backwards and it never ends going forward it's it's a cycle that that takes place continually that's the Mormon faith that's the core of the Mormon faith uh, now is that in the Bible of course not do Mormons believe that yes they do they swear by it because Joseph Smith was a prophet of God and so was Brigham Young and now when I tell them they were scoundrels they were thieves they had murdered people they were liars oh no these were perfect men but anyway so that's heaven for the Mormons you if you uh, now if you're a man and you have a wife here on earth and you don't like her uh, at the resurrection you simply do not wake her up and so the wife is totally dependent on the husband if she pleases him he will wake her up after death but if not she will sleep on he will get some other women and she is simply history the second class are people that are Mormons but they have not been to the temple married there and so on but they're in good standing and they are going to be like angels they're going to be servant they're going to be running the planets for these new gods and so Mormons they probably have let's say they have a hundred thousand men that have gone through the temple ceremony been married and so on so there's going to be a hundred thousand new gods and so Mormons here on this earth that are not qualified 
they would work there as supervisors and they would have a great time and a great life for eternity. The third class are people like you and I that are not Mormons. Now we're going to be resurrected and we're going to be slave workers to the two other classes of Mormons. So you and I that are not Mormons, we're going to be resurrected, we're going to be slaves, and we're going to work for eternity on these different planets and do mining and factory work and so on, and we're going to be slave working all eternity. That's the Mormon doctrine. So, is it in the Bible? No, it is not. It is not in the Bible. So, I share this with you here now, these religious, because all of you have encountered Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, because we know what the Muslims are today. They're very militant. And uh, children of God, uh, they kind of disappeared. Uh, it went so bad, so I'm just going to tell you how it happened to them. It went so bad for them that they, Moses Berg simply took all, most of his disciples that would follow him, and they moved over to Europe. And he tried to have communes there and, and set it up and so on. And so the different government there said, you know, that this is prostitution. And so uh, they, they got after them. So it was this guy Gaddafi. He was the uh, uh, ruler of Libya uh, before he was taken out by the United States. But Gaddafi, being a Muslim, he simply invited Moses Berg, come and settle in Libya, and you can practice your religion free. We will, we will not have no constraint on you. Whatever you want to do, uh, you can come here. So Moses Berg and thousands of his followers, they finally left Europe, and they went to Libya. And, of course, when... Uh, Gaddafi was killed, murdered by uh, our people there. Uh, they now lost their sanctuary, and there's no record of what, what actually took place of them, how, how they fared. Uh, they did not fare well. I understand that. So let me now get into, I'm going to read one more scripture to you here. Now this is from Hebrews chapter 1. Before I do that, I'm going to read this to you. God always has and always will have spiritual communication. So God will always speak to his people. From the very beginning of the creation, God has always been in communication with the creatures he created. In Genesis chapter 2 and 3, the Bible tells us how God walked and talked with Adam before Adam fell into sin. God communicated with men like Abraham, Noah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the Old Testament prophets. And finally, God is communicating to the world through Christ. 
So we read here from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in his last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So, as a Christian, you must have a Bible as a filter. Because Satan and demons of fallen angels, they will communicate and they will lie and say, I'm God, I'm Jesus, I'm the Holy Spirit. And they would have all kind of things. And so in order to spiritually discern that, you have to know what God has said before. God has set parameter in the Old and New Testament and said, I work within these parameters. Anyone working outside of that is not of me. Can I liken it like this? You're watching television, news, you're watching some kind of program, whatever it is, and then there's a commercial, and they give you four or five commercials between the program you're watching. What they want to do is this, the people that are selling now, they want to convince you that the product that they have is what you need. Matter of fact, you desire that. This is something that you absolutely must have. You cannot live without this product. And then they have one or two or three people come up and say, well, I'm taking this product for five years so I have this vacuum cleaner or I got this car or whatever it is. And they give a testimony how great the product is. And then the picture comes back and says, now, here, call this number, dial this number, 188 or whatever it is, call now. And the first 50 callers will get a special gift and so on. Well, you're bombarded with that every single day if, if you want television. If you want to listen to the radio, you got commercials there too. Do you buy everything that, that, that you see? No. Uh, do, you, do you feel that, you know, that you got to have that product for your toenails? Not necessarily. So what you do is this. You simply look upon it and say, okay, I'm not going to buy that. I'm not going to buy that. You have discernment. Some people don't have discernment. They buy stuff, you know, they just go crazy. But normal people have discernment. And you buy what you need. Or if you see a new product that, let's say, something that would uh, trim the, the lawn, and uh, you simply say, well, that's a new lawnmower. Um, my old one is not on the, that good, so you buy that because you want to have it. But you evaluate it. And this is what I will try to tell you here today as we come down to the end of this program today is that 
there is a lot of advertisement from evil spirits, fallen angels, and the devil himself, and they are very, very persuasive. There are preachers on television, preachers on the radio, preachers on the internet. Uh, they are all over that have been seduced and in turn are seducing other people and trying to get them to buy their product. So you got to have discernment. So read the Bible. Make sure that you know what God has said. And if you're not that skilled in the Bible yet, find a Christian around you that you know is a solid Christian. Don't find a yo-yo, but find someone that really is solid and say, hey, I heard this on television. I, I saw this on the Internet. I heard this on the radio. What do you think about it? And if it's a solid Christian, he will say, well, tell you what, that's straight from hell. Don't even go there. He will help you to get discernment. And basically, that's what I'm doing on these programs right now. We'll be talking about knowing the will of God. Is I'm trying to help you to come to the place where you have discernment. And you will not buy into every stupid lie or slick lie that the enemy will have left for you. Well, let me wrap this up here and give you, I'm going to give you a little bit of advertisement now. So, um, first of all, you listened to me and you said, um, hmm, he brought up some interesting points. Where do I find more? Well, we have a website. E-A-E-C dot org. You go to that website and I have a lot of stuff written there. It will take you about six months to go through everything we have there. And uh, there are topicals and so on. You can find that. If you say, well, um, I'd like to have a copy of the outline here that you were working from today. Well, go to the website E-A-E-C dot org. And put a request in, I want to have a free copy of the outline with a text on average today. And we email that to you, free on charge. Most of the stuff we have on our, on our website is free. You can download it. Uh, we have, I have books I've written, and we have DVDs and so on. Uh, those we have to charge for because we have to make them. They cost us money. Now, on Sunday morning, you can actually hear me preach. We have a live webcast. We have a church here in the greater Sacramento area. And uh, from our chapel, we, every week, Sunday morning, we webcast or broadcast our service. And we start at 8.30. This is Pacific Standard Time. And you have 30 minutes of music. Then we have 30 minutes of prayer. And then I will bring a message. Actually, right now, I preach two sermons every Sunday. So you get double your money. And uh, how do you get to that? Go to our website. And you will see there a banner saying live website, live service. And you go to our live webcasting. And uh, 
If you want to know what I said last Sunday, you can do that now. You can go to our website, look up the live webcast, click on it, and it will play tomorrow. It will play Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday it will go away. We will put another message on. So if you can't be there on our time when we have it, it is very simple for you. You can go in any time, any place in the world, hit your website, and you can find out what we're doing on. And uh, so that's available to you. Let's close this advertisement now. We're talking about money. And you know that most advertisements talk about money. And uh, there are no free lunches. So the people that are running television programming, radio, and so on, they have to have advertisers because the advertisers pay the bills because it costs electricity, it costs this and that to have to send something out. So here we have now Shannon Davis. He sits in Indonesia with a wife, three children, and he is the he is Omega Man Radio, and uh, he has certain costs and so on. And during this, he also got to eat. Uh, his children are not uh, uh, spirits. They do eat. And his wife also eat. And that costs money. So if you feel like Omega Man Radio is something that you like, uh, you get fed from that, you get information from that, there are different speakers, then go to his website today and find his donation buttons and simply give him a good offering. Because if you do not support him, in, eventually he would have to quit because, you know, he got to live. He got to supply for his family. So to keep Shannon coming, Omega Man going, he need financial support. I don't get any of it. I don't get a cut. I, what I do here is free. I don't get any money for it. I don't need that. God is supplying me through the church when I'm the pastor. But I'd like to go here. This is a platform. I can reach you. At the same time, I can help Shannon. So with that, back to you, Shannon. Brother John, it was a great teaching today. Uh, do we stick with the same title, Tune In God, Turn Off Satan? Is it part two? Why don't we call this Beware of False Doctrine? I like that. Okay, Beware of False Doctrine. It is. Great teaching. Um, speaking of the Mormons, they are some strange folk. Um, what's interesting, maybe uh, some don't know this, is um, their religion um, requires people to uh, track their genealogy back about four generations minimum, and they would like you to have two years' supply of food at all times. <laughs> now, nothing wrong with either of those two. But uh, I remember some years ago hearing about this at... Uh, you know they they um, they all were preppers. So I took advantage of it. I went over to what was called the Bishop's Cannery, which was opened up um, in North Georgia where I lived at the time, like twice a month. And basically, it was a big warehouse. If anybody's ever been out there, you know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, um, you could go in and you could buy bulk foods: rice, beans. You know they had everything, wheat, and um, they basically. Um, Gave you a quick lesson on how to operate these number 10 cans, and you would basically uh, go grab these big sacks. Uh, 
bulk fill your number 10 cans, seal them, package them, and then when you're done, you go to a, a cash register and you pay for it and load your truck, and you could get food at discounted prices. So back during Y2K, <laughs> I went over there, brother, and I bought a bunch. And then I found me some of these uh, used pallets behind a grocery store. And if you see my garage, I had uh, all these wooden pallets filling it up and just uh, Y2K food stacked to the ceiling, you know, if you will. Um, well, Y2K didn't turn out like we thought, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, I ended up giving away most of that food, but um, that's interesting. Some of the things they do. One other thing I will tell you, um, they are they don't like to drink, I guess, coffee and sodas, if I recall. And all, caffeine. There's no caffeine. No caffeine, right? Yeah. And um, they are highly trusted by the CIA and intelligence services. So much so that um, there are a lot of Mormons embedded in the CIA and some other agencies. I was told this. And, uh, in fact, uh, make a long story a little bit longer. Years ago, Brother John, I was working for the DOD, uh, U.S. Army, as a civilian. And I worked with them about six and a half years. And I was kind of getting bored where I was at. And there wasn't a lot of room for growth. And I said, you know what? I just may leave the government. But uh, I was working part-time security, too. And I had a, had a friend who was actually a former CIA agent. He was uh, went into NAM, And then afterwards, they... Uh, they uh, picked him up and he went into the agency and he retired and he was working over there as a security guard when I met him in the early 90s and I'm like what are you doing here so well, I'm retired but I'm going back to school and this just gives me an opportunity to study and go to school make a little bit of extra money really nice guy his name was Harold and uh, he told me about you know the Mormons being in the agency but the funny part was we had another security guard brother John he was actually a Mormon himself and uh, <laughs> really strange guy and um, I told him, I said, you know what, I might like to try to get on with the agency. I wonder if they would hire me. Uh, but I don't have a college education, so what would I do over there? And they told me about a thing called a SPO, which is a special police officer. And I thought, well, man, if I could just get my foot in the door over there, maybe I could work my way up to James Bond, 007. <laughs> so I was a young guy, like 25. And um, long story longer, basically, um, he said, well, let me do something for you. I go to my Mormon church. Uh, they call it something else. I forget what they call it. But he said, I know a guy over there who works for the AIDS. In fact, he works It's called a ward. A ward. A ward. Okay. He works in human resources. Let me talk to him. So the next week, this other guy worked with me. comes back. His name was Ron. Ron said, here's a number. I want you to call it on Monday. I said, what is this? He said, just call it, and uh, you go take a test. This is how you would get in if you want to try out. He gave me the number. I called it was his Mormon friend who worked with the agency. They signed me up for a test, Brother John. I went down and took this test. Me and the whole room was filled with other people just trying to get in ground floor jobs with the CIA. And, uh, man, I, I sat on this uh, six-foot uh, card table on a you know folding chair, and they gave me um, some tests to take, and he had to write an essay on this video, Brother John, and they pull out on this um, cart a VHS of George Bush Sr. thousand points of light speech. (laughs) Go figure. And they wanted you to watch it and write about it. Well, I I knew the CIA was crooked, and I knew that they were New World Order, so I wrote something. Brother, it was a work of art. Pro-New World Order, extolling the virtues of the New World Order. I just want to get in. And um, turned it in. I thought I probably didn't pass. 
and uh, a few weeks later I got a, a letter that says you've made it to the interview process and I won't go into further story I've done it before but uh, you just reminded me of that he was a Mormon he had a connection on the inside and they're strange folks they are very strange people but they're believed to be people of high morals in terms of uh, uh, they wouldn't necessarily drink or get drunk or you know use drugs or things like that maybe not cheat on their wife well I don't think that's true um, you know um, but just saying that's what at least the agency's uh, perception of it is well I never got in I made it to the final round brother John and uh, had to take a lie detector test had, was uh, interrogated by a CIA uh, human resource agent and and then uh, I got a letter that says uh, unfortunately uh, we do not have a position for you at this time and I didn't get in and then uh, I left the government and uh, had I got in I wouldn't be here tonight <laughs> I would still be working up in D.C. I mean, you know, you if you start young over there, you can work for 40 years because you don't retire until you're about 65 over there. And when I went to work for the government, I was only 20. So I worked about six and a half years for the Army, DOD, back during Desert Storm. And uh, one other comment I'll make and I'll let you go. You mentioned uh, Muammar Gaddafi. Uh, Tripoli, Africa, Libya. My grandfather, Davis, on my dad's side, was stationed in Tripoli, in the 60s, and he told stories of uh, seeing a young captain, Muammar Gaddafi, nonetheless, uh, but he wasn't in power at the time. His, uh, I think his uncle, Idris, was still running the show, and but he said, uh, uh, yeah, I saw him around the base, because, you know, we worked there on the uh, airstrip, and uh, he said some of the Libyan Air Force would wreck their aircraft all the time and want us to fix them, and I would see him down at the NCO club sometime. He would come in with two bodyguards and he was very dark. He had the nickname the Black Prince. And I don't know if this is true, but I, I, I don't think my grandfather was lying. He said uh, he was in there with my grandmother one time in the NCO club, and uh, Mumar came in there and um, was trying to hit on my grandmother. There was almost a um, fisticuffs battle, but I don't think it got to that. <laughs> but it was just funny. you know. Uh, later on, I think he assassinated his uncle and took power. And um, very interesting dude. Um, Wheelis Air Force Base, what it was called. Okay, enough for my memories, but um, beware of false doctrine. Great teaching today from Pastor John Terrell. Brother John, as we close, uh, where can people go to tune into your weekend broadcast? What time do you broadcast? We start at 8.30 uh, Sunday morning. This is uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, with praise and worship and then it, it, this is live and then we have prayer time and prayer preaching but uh, they can go to our website anytime and find the previous Sunday's uh, service okay fantastic folks get over there eaec.org my friend we love and appreciate you we'll see you next time thank you for coming on today great broadcast love you too God thank bless you, you. there we are and I've told that full story many times, so I don't want to bore all of you again who have heard it 50 times. But that was a true story. <clears throat> I made it all the way through the selection process. Actually, you had to take the test. And, you know, see, I would advertise in the newspaper. Anytime they want to do a big, um, you know, um, what um, recruitment. And if you're going to be recruited for the cool jobs, you know, like being a spy they typically do that right at the uh, colleges. They'll contact you. And if you have um, 
you know, you score very high in a particular area that they need, um, they won't have any problem locating you. But when they're actually just advertising in the uh, <clears throat> newspaper, most time, these are low-grade people. In my case, it was just uh, going to be a security guard, SPO, special police officer. And um, I figured I had the experience for that. No problem, could get in. But I took that test, passed it. It was funny that they made us watch the uh, speech of George Bush Sr. announcing the birth of the New World Order, thousand points of light speech. And uh, uh, then they sent me out to a couple uh, sites that, uh, you know, looked like uh, commercial offices. And lo and behold, uh, they might have like a law firm in there and some other stuff, but they had also agency um, offices there. You know, could be front companies, whatever, I don't know. But I went in there and met with um, one of these uh, security guards that was working at an, uh, a government site where the agency at least occupied part of the building. I don't remember it was now, but it was over there in Northern Virginia. I remember that much, and because uh, that's where I was at. And... Uh, then I had to go over to what I believe was the farm. You've heard of the farm. Went over on the farm. They gave me bus fare to go way out into the sticks out of uh, the city where I lived in Alexandria. And uh, went out there and had a physical. Had to take a hearing test. A physical. And um, actually had another multiple, excuse me, like uh, true false. Actually, it was true false. Pretty sure. 500 question uh, test you had to take and it would ask you questions like how many pencils have you stolen in your life three five more none and they would have they would cross check you so they would ask it and then ask you again to see if your answer was consistent and they graded it immediately I was there actually as part it was uh, it was great immediately and I had to interview with a CI shrink a, a CI psychologist went great all that went great and then I got a message, okay, um, lie detector test. And then that was the last phase. And there was only three of us there. And I remember this was back like 95. I was I came to some office building and um, came in this small lobby area, like a waiting room. And I looked out the door and there was some door with something that looked like a iris scanner, like a set of goggles built into the side of the wall. And uh, when my number was called, or when I was called, there's only three of us, um, <clears throat> the other guy in there, some young, young college student, he was applying for like an analyst job. That's the spies. I was doing the SPO. And um, they took me in a small room. And it's very small. You walk in, and you look at the wall, there's a big uh, um, uh, two-way mirror a desk and the probably the biggest laptop screen I've ever seen. It was huge. I think it was bigger than a, a it was like a 21 inch or something. I didn't even know they made them like that back then. It was a huge laptop screen. Custom, I guess. And uh, a recliner chair. And they put you in the recliner chair. They rigged me up uh, with this thing that uh, was like a oh, part of the lie detector. And um, and it connected to the, the computer that the guy was using and took the test and then uh, then there was an interview after that that's the interrogator and what they do is um, 
partway through this, they get, the guy says, excuse me, he gets up and leaves and closes the door, and they're watching you there through the two-way mirror. Or one-way mirror, is it called one-way mirror, two-way mirror? I couldn't see them, they could see me. Okay. <clears throat> and um, I suppose they wanted to see if I or the other people they were testing would actually get up and see what was on the other side of that screen. <laughs> Take a peek. You have to be a fool to do that. I just sat there and I was nervous, but just sat there and he came back and said, okay. And uh, then it went to the interview and um, that was the last uh, part of it. And the guy said, you're lying to me. Look, we're recording everything. And uh, we're going to send you home. Give you one more chance. Come back tomorrow. You better spill the beans. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. He says, don't you know we can get, uh, if you get this job, you get the keys to the kingdom? That's exact words he said. You get the keys to the kingdom. Well, I went home and went back the next day, and I spilled my guts on anything I I thought. Uh, he needed to know. And um, then I went home, and I got that letter a few weeks later, maybe two weeks. It said, uh, thank you for your application. At this time, we do not have a position, you know, commensurate for your skills or whatever it was like that. And uh, that was it. And then I said, well, that would have been my dream job if I could have gotten on. Other than that, I think I'm done. And uh, after six and a half years, I left the government, resigned, had a great job, great people, but I wanted to do more. And um, felt I'd went as far as I could go right there, really, I'd had. And um, left in 96, never forget quit my job with the government and my security job I've been working part time for a few years evenings and weekends and um, went to Atlanta and there I was out of a job for weeks then my brother called me or I called him and, and uh, he said why don't you come over I'll train you to be a media buyer and the rest is history I worked with my brother Damon for four years got in that a whole new industry went back to private sector and uh, I really appreciate the job God gave me at that time it was a great job working for the government but um, it was time to move on and do other things. And I always treasure that time and met a lot of great people. Okay, that's my story. But, yeah, I can vouch for the fact that uh, there's a lot of Mormons in the agency, I was told. Uh, again, that HR guy was a Mormon. And uh, they are some very interesting people. <clears throat> but in that strange? Uh, by the way, by the way, come to think of it, there is a cartoon of the quality of something like Hanna-Barbera would have made. And uh, it is, I think, produced by Jericho Films. Don't quote me on that, but look it up on YouTube. It's a forbidden cartoon that the Mormon Church is not really happy was made uh, and released. Uh, it talks um, about some of the things like Brother John was talking about. You get your own planet, and you get to repopulate it with you know all these... Um, Virgins, and uh, there's some other weird stuff that they do. There's baptisms for the dead, and a lot of crazy stuff that goes on. It is definitely a cult. And you'll see these guys, the brothers, 
I've seen him in Costa Rica. I haven't seen any brothers here in Bali. I don't think that they're uh, allowed by law. Actually, it's interesting, but uh, I saw him in Costa Rica. I'm not sure if I saw him in Panama or not. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, I've had them knock on my door before. You probably have, too. And they send them out around the world. In fact, uh, when you graduate from high school, you're supposed to be a good Mormon and go out and do a missionary trip. And then you come back and um, and then you go to college. And then go get get married and, you know, start your career. But every uh, Mormon male is uh, supposed to go over and, and do some missionary service abroad. And, um, yeah, I've seen them with the white shirts and the ties and the little card elder. There we are. Some of them treat me pretty nice, I will tell you that. I had a part-time job one time with manpower in my, uh, like, 18 years old after I got out of high school. And uh, I worked up at a Xerox plant um, for this assignment. It was a, a, a parts picker for Xerox and, uh, you know, a sheet would come in and you need these particular parts for like a, an IBM zero, you know, um, an IBM photocopy or whatever it was or some kind of machine that they make. No, no, I said Xerox and I mean to say Xerox and IBM. And um, I actually did do an IBM job one time, but Xerox. Um, so like a Xerox copier and get a little pick and pull sheet. And uh, I worked that job for a while and then the supervisor was Mormon. And he said, look, I like your work. If you're interested, I'll hire you. Uh, we pay $6 an hour. <laughs> that was back in 87. Never forget that. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't take that job specifically, but I ran into that same guy a few years down the Well, a long time down the road, about 13 years fast forward. I was over that Bishop's Canter, and I saw the guy. And I don't think he remembered me, but I remembered him. Same guy. Interesting. Northern Virginia. Okay. Back in the day, that was a place to be. In 89, you could go there, and, uh, as I did, um, and took the civil service test in downtown D.C. And the next day, I got a call that says, we've got three interviews you can go on. You scored well on your uh, Scantron test. And they sent me on three, and they said, take your pick. Which job you want? And I took a job for with U.S. Army Warrant Officer Division, DOD. They were all DOD jobs, and uh, it was a great time to go to work. I started, never forget, November 27, 1989. And just you know, a month or two later, we're in Desert Storm, Desert Shield. Operation Provide Comfort. It was there. Uh, it was a great time. Okay. Enough going down memory lane. <laughs> well, if you, I hope you enjoyed tonight. We had um, three broadcasts. And we had David Measures. We had Gary Stafford and Eric Ross and Pastor John Terrell. That's going to be it for today. I'll put these up in the archives here in just a bit. We'll be back tomorrow. And um, I need to get you some updates over there to the Omega Man Reloaded podcast um, there we are thank you for tuning in thank you for your support of this program let's pray Father Yehovah in the mighty name of Jesus Christ I thank you for this opportunity 
We thank you for the uh, people that you brought into this program to speak and to tune in these programs. Bless everybody who's come out. Special blessing, God, on anyone who has supported this program. Give them fruit. And we pray this tonight and that you would send your warrior angels to surround each one of us. In Jesus Christ's mighty name, amen. Folks, if you want to contact me, my website again, omegamanradio.com. That's all you've got to remember. If you can get over there, you'll find uh, links to how to listen live, uh, how to get the archives, and anything else you may be interested in. And uh, love you all. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. God bless you all.